adultery. It's not a body problem. It's a heart problem that manifests itself in the body. And so for you and for me, really the issue's in the heart, and then it plays itself out in the body. And God wants to do a heart work, and God knows as He's doing heart surgery on you and on me, that will manifest itself out in our bodies differently because God is changing our hearts. When you're sick, you want to relieve the symptoms that are causing you so much discomfort. But the real issue is the underlying illness that's triggering those symptoms. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that the same is true when it comes to sin in your life. The sin is just a symptom of a deeper heart issue. You'll learn that God wants to do heart surgery on you to fix the problem at its source. He knows that as your heart changes, your choices will too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 25 as he continues his message, Idolatry in Moab. How many of us struggle with our own fears and anxieties based on wealth or lack thereof? How are we going to pay those? Am I going to outlive my retirement nest egg? Am I ever going to be retired? You know, you have all these things. It consumes our culture. It's consuming our culture. Whereas all the way along, we're supposed to trust in who? The Lord. See, that's why when you go to countries that are much less wealthy as ours, people have such a vibrant joy. Because they can't trust in it. There's nothing else to trust in. It doesn't make poverty spiritual. But when you can't trust in money because it's not there, you learn how to trust in the Lord for everything. So I'm not saying that poverty is better. I'm saying for you and I, we all have to learn how not to trust in the balance on the checkbook. And we have to say, God, all of my hope is in you. All of my trust is in you. And brothers and sisters, anything that we trust other than the true and living God biblically is a what? It's an idol. So if it's the trust of the love of your spouse or your sweetie or your significant other or the hope of the significant other or the amount of money in the bank account or the new cool jeans you're going to wear or whatever your thing is, That's an idol. And don't forget, in the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment is what? Don't have any other gods other than me. And really, all the other commandments, according to Martin Luther, who I don't agree with everything Martin Luther said, but I do agree with this one. He said that all the other commandments are broken because we actually break the first one. The reason we will covet our neighbor's spouse is because we're going to have another God before the true and living God. The reason we're going to not trust the Lord and think that we have to work our lives away is because we don't trust that God's going to provide. The reason we will murder is because we do not trust in God's ultimate justice. See, every sin really gets broken by us having an idol problem. And the heart default of every human is idolatry. So you have the idolatry on one side, and then you have 
the sexual immorality on the other side. And listen, all you have to do is do a Google search on sexuality in America in the 21st century, and you can just read it. The numbers, I mean, the pornography industry, the percentages of people who are looking at pornography, the breakdown of marriages, the numbers of teenage pregnancies and sexual relations outside of marriage, the numbers of failed, I mean, you go down the list and all the numbers are horrible. And what's good is that if you look at the church, the numbers are a little better, but not better because it should not be named among us. And it makes sense, listen, it makes sense. Satan's wise and not wise in like he's good smart. It's just like he's wicked smart. And he's taken the long plan. And what he realizes is that sexuality was created by God for worship. The coming together of a man and a woman is the ultimate act of worship. It's the coming together physically, embodying what God has done spiritually with a man and a woman coming together as one flesh. And so it's meant to be pure and undefiled. It's a holy act of worship. And so every time there's this thing that's holy, Satan wants to cheapen it, make it not as important. And almost everything in our lives, we have God's version of it, and then we have the cheapened version of it. So just as idolatry is a problem Brothers and sisters, you need to mind your heart and your bodies. And Jesus taught us external sexual sins is not the problem. It is the symptom of a heart problem. That's what Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. When he goes through, don't murder, don't commit adultery. It's not a body problem. It's a heart problem that manifests itself in the body. And so for you and for me, really the issue's in the heart, and then it plays itself out in the body. And God wants to do a heart work, and God knows as he's doing heart surgery on you and on me, that will manifest itself out in our bodies differently because God is changing our hearts. Now you might be saying, okay, well, listen, I'm going to stop doing that thing when God changes my heart. Listen, no, no, no. Be obedient and ask God to, change, to bring your heart around In some ways, you have to think yourself into a new way of being. We have to obey our way into a new way of being. So honestly, if you can't handle the computer, you need to give that thing away. If you can't handle Facebook or whatever, you need to get rid of that stuff. Because Jesus said, literally, if your hand causes you to sin, what should you do? You should chop that baby off. So if your eye causes you sin, you should pluck it out. And I always say, God's not a God of amputation. But God is saying, you need to deal severely with these things. You need to deal severely with them. Because it's either killing you or you're killing it. So mind your hearts. Mind your souls. Mind your bodies. See, the children of Israel have been blessed by the Lord. But they of their own will have chosen at this juncture to commit harlotry with the women of Moab and to bow down to the god Baal or the idol Baal, God with a little g. And how many of us do the same things? We choose an idol other than God and then the ethics of that idolatry plays itself out or 
we choose the sexual immorality and then we need to find a God who will fit it. If you look at the way backsliding happens in people's lives, oftentimes somebody decides that they don't want the holiness ethics of Christianity and so they say, I'm not going to worship that God. If that God says, I can't do this thing that I want to do and this thing that I want to do, I'm going to go find another belief structure to support the way that I feel like living. Almost every time I've ever talked to somebody who was an on-fire believer of Jesus and then they're not believing in Jesus, there's always an action associated with it. Always. It's never, yeah, I just decided that Jesus is real. It's like, okay, no, no, what are you into right now? Oh, you're smoking a bunch of weed. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, you want to sleep around. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, you're cheating on finances. You're just ripping your coworkers off. It's like, we, we want to live a certain way, so we want to find a God to justify it, right? Or we find another God other than the true and living God, and then the ethics come along with it. Now, if you think about that, from Romans chapter 1, many people today struggle with homosexuality and same sex and what's going on. You have to realize if you read your Bible that Roman chapter one tells us the reason men are attracted to men and women are attracted to women, it's not about their attractions necessarily. It's about idolatry because it says that because they would not worship God, God gave them over to their debased minds. And what we're actually seeing in America in the West is a cultural giving over As a culture, God's saying, you will not worship me. I'm going to give you over to your debased ideas. And the whole same-sex thing that we're seeing now, that's not the problem. That is the symptom of an idolatry problem. And if you don't believe me, just read what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. It's right there, verses 18 to 29. You follow the logic. He's saying, no. That's not the problem. The problem is idolatry. Whatever God you worship, you will become like that God. That's how it works. If you worship yourself, then you will become whatever it is that you are. And if you choose to worship money, you will become that. We become whatever we worship, and everybody worships something. So it's either the action leads to the theology or the theology leads to the action. And that's why for you and I here at Crossroads, we're saying, look, there's only one God, the holy, true, and living creator God and his son, Jesus Christ. And if we believe in that God, then we will become Christ-like in the process by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why following Jesus and simply responding to the crucified and resurrected Savior absolutely changes everything because you can't follow him and not become like him. But if we choose, brothers and sisters, if we choose like the children of Israel did, I mean, they saw God's hand in a powerful way. They saw him deliver them through a mighty hand, amazing miracles, probably more profound things than we might ever see. They saw that stuff, but they still chose in this moment to follow after Baal and the sexual ethics of Moab. And it's going to have dire consequences. So you and I, this was written for our admonition, brothers and sisters. And it was amazing to me as I've been studying this and preparing this message, how my heart was arrested with a warning. Because you see it, and you're like, this is bad. They knew God, but yet they decided to follow the idols 
and the sexual ethics of the Moabites. And notice what happens. They bow down in verse three. So Israel was joined to Baal. You realize that that idea of joining, that has very specific connotations of a man being, a man will be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. The language is a marriage language. They became joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Now, the idea of God being a jealous God, we see it right there, right? Now, if you ever heard Oprah Winfrey's story, she stopped following the God of the Bible because she was sitting in church, she heard about that God's a jealous God, and she said, why would I want to worship a jealous God? I mean, is jealousy ever a good thing? And you know what the answer is? It is a good thing. Now, when we think of jealousy, we always think of the insecure, insane, jealous person who can't think straight, and every time, you know, it's like, if you used to be like that, you used to be like that. You're not like that anymore. But like, you know, you're married, and every time a guy says hi to your wife, you're like, oh, you like him? You like him? You, you know, like, what's going on? And it's really not that that's going on. It's just a total insecurity. So you got to realize God isn't insecure like a human is. God is completely secure. But listen, if you really love your wife, if you really love your husband, they say, listen, I fell in love with someone else. You're like, oh, great. Yeah, you can be with both of us. No problem. Is that love? That isn't love. That's not love. Because true love, if it's covenantal, is jealous for the blessing of the relationship. So if Lynn came to me and says, Daniel, look, I just really just fell in love with someone else. I was like, great, don't worry. I don't really love her. But if I really love my wife and she says, listen, I'm in love with someone else. I'm like, well, why? And, and no, you're, it's just me and you. It's just me, you, and Jesus. And I'm not going to go and kill her or kill that other person. That's insecurity and violence. But my heart, if I really love her, I want that love for myself. And so God is a jealous God because he knows that if we join ourselves to an idol, that it's going to be destruction for us. That's why God is, a, and that's why God's jealousy is part of his perfections and his holiness, not part of God's deficiency, but part of God's sufficiency. And so God is jealous, and so he gets angry because the children of Israel now are committing spiritual adultery against him. And notice what it says. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined about all of Peor. It's a death sentence from the Lord. And Moses relays that down to all the leaders. Now, someone's about to say, I can't believe the violence of the Bible. Listen. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And it's God's pure mercy that when we make a mistake, we do not drop dead right as it happens. That's what you have to remember. Think about when Adam and Eve ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But when they ate of the tree, they didn't die right then. They didn't just drop dead. Instant judgment for their mistakes. But it did happen ultimately. And so many people are like, well, if God really doesn't like it, I should drop that right now. And they're like, no, 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 don't. God is being long-suffering. But there are times when God's judgment is instantaneous. You have it in the Bible. It's going to happen here. 
Think about in the New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira. They experienced it. You have Herod, the voice of a God and not of a man, and he drops dead. And we all have actually, we know people, unfortunately, who they've made horrible decisions and the loss of life is swift. It's not the norm. So oftentimes we take God's delay as God doesn't really care. But then, of course, if you read your Bible in the end of 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, God is not lazy or slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So what we find is that God's delay in rendering just judgment for rebellion is actually God's long-suffering love so that we will turn away from our rebellion and be restored to God and restored to right fellowship with him and other people. But in this case, they provoked God and God The punishment is coming right away. It's coming right away. Now look at what happens in verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Now, I realize this is intense and provocative. But what you have is that as God is speaking to Moses and to the congregation, they're at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they're weeping. Because they realize that some of their family, their company has now rejected God and they're under judgment and that they need to carry out the judgment. And then you find one of these men bring one of these Midianite women right into the front and it's an absolute audacious display of spiritual rebellion. Now listen, you guys realize our culture does this every single day, right? Where we are living in a world of ostentatious, this is my life, Forget you, my life is not your thing, and everybody does it publicly, way out there, right? And in this context, there is literally a man with a Midianite woman. Now, we had already said that they were committing sexual immorality, so this was going on in public at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, flaunting it. And Phineas, who is of the descendants of Aaron, so the Levitical tribe, the priestly tribe, right? He gets up and he grabs a javelin and he chases them down and he kills them both. That's what we find here. Literally, the javelin goes through both of them and we find out that the plague stopped among the children of Israel. So Phineas was so provoked that he acted. Notice what it says. He was provoked, he stopped them killed them, and then the plague stopped. And we find out that how many people died? 24,000 people. For the children of Israel, they lost 24,000 people at this plague. It's a lot of people receiving justice, judgment, 
for the rebellion of the children of God by going, worshiping Baal. Now, we get more information in verse 10. Look at what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore, say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. So we find out that Phineas's zeal is rewarded by God with a covenant of peace. So in this instant, Phineas had the heart of God. And because he acted on God's zeal, God not only stopped the plague, and the implication is that God was going to consume many more people. So God was merciful in his judgment and God placed a blessing on the lineage of Phineas. Now, at this point, I have to bring up, because it confronts us then, is, so should we go killing people who are living audaciously against God? And brothers and sisters, the answer to that is absolutely not. Why? Because God poured out all of his wrath on Jesus. And somebody can't repent if they're dead. So our job is not to go and exercise God's judgment upon someone else. Because of the cross, God has placed all of the judgment on Jesus, and our job is to love them and to, in love, speak the truth with them that they might turn from their way and receive God's forgiveness. Because you got a bunch of wacky people who read this kind of stuff, and they start thinking it's God's will that they start murdering people. And you need to think... In the Bible, the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you don't just like, well, I got the ministry of Phineas. I just kill everyone I don't like. No. No. It's not God's heart. Because think about the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus received the punishment that we deserved. And listen. For any one of us who's ever committed sexual immorality, we could have received the same punishment, whatever sort it was. So we have to remember the gospel message, the finished work of Jesus, that Jesus died the death that you and I deserved. Jesus is real. Thanks for sticking with us as Pastor Daniel explained that the Israelites were experiencing God's judgment because they had rejected him and were worshiping idols. You were reminded that our job isn't to judge others. That's God's responsibility. No, our job is to love them and speak the truth in love in the hope that they will change their minds and turn to the Lord. The gospel message is that Jesus took on the punishment we deserve, and it's our job to be witnesses of his coming kingdom. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. 
Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio. Pastor Daniel will share the hard truth that regardless of what issues you struggle with, it's all punishable by death. But you'll be reminded that the good news is that Jesus bore those consequences for you. When you began a relationship with him, you received his grace instead of judgment. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Wilderness. It's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.